Do you ever have nightmares or just, uh, I don't have as many nightmares now, but still have dreams sometimes that just kind of give me anxiety. And uh, that was certainly the case. The last two nights, uh, two nights ago, had a, a bad dream. I dreamed that we were in a, I was in this continuing education group and we were about to make a presentation, an oral presentation about the project we'd done. And, and we got it all together and we were ready to go in. We walked in in front of the group and we were about to make our presentation. I was so glad, relieved that we had it ready. And then I realized I didn't have a shirt on. So I'm making this pres, you know, I'm like, I had to leave and go put a shirt on. You don't ever have dreams like that, do you? And then last night we got in late and we'd been down in Jackson celebrating my mother-in-law's 70, turning 70. And we got back in, went to sleep, slept really good, but then had a dream that I was getting up to preach, but I wasn't preaching for you guys. I was at another church and it was a place I'd never been before. And I was going to be a guest speaker. And uh, I got there and they, they ushered me into this room to kind of wait for time. They were going to call me in to preach. And, um, and I didn't know what I was, still didn't know what I was going to preach about. And so I was in there praying, Lord, give me <laughs> something to say. And then I come in and this stage is like, it's like a pyramid, super steep. And you've got to climb all these steps up to the pulpit. It's so steep that you're like on your hands and knees trying to climb up there. And I get to the pulpit and turn around and it was a, it was a, a, a African-American congregation. And I realized that not only did I have to preach, but they were expecting me to preach in a certain way with that spirit that uh, I'm not as you know, used to doing. And I still didn't know what the Lord was uh, wanting me to preach. And I just started going and then I woke up and realized, oh, thankfully I've got my sermon prepared for today and I'm ready to go. But I, these are the things I guess a, a preacher uh, has anxiety about. But Halloween is just around the corner, and it's a day when we make fun of our fears. You ever thought about that? That's what we do at Halloween. Many people dress up as monsters or scary things, to, not to celebrate monsters and scary things, but to make light of them, to have a laugh and have fun with them. It's not, there's no such things as vampires and werewolves and zombies. They're figments of our imagination that serve to personify our fear. And so as we dress up and have fun with them, it sort of assuages our fears. Our fear is real sometimes. But until we understand our fear, fear morphs into something bigger and scarier than it really is. It morphs into, an our, into a monster in our imagination that can paralyze us. We cannot move forward in God's mission for us because we fear the imaginary monsters that lurk around the next corner. And this is the first in a series of messages about conquering your fears. Today, I want you to consider what are you afraid of? God's people have always had to face their fears. God gives us the ability to overcome when we trust God more than our fears. The Hebrew slaves who left Egypt had to conquer their fears before they could conquer the promised land. 
Moses sent 12 scouts to check out the promised land and to report back on their findings. Listen to their part of their story. This comes from Numbers chapter 13 and verses 17 through 33. Moses gave these men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. It happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob. And near Lebohamath, going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron, where are Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, all descendants of Anak, lived. The ancient town of Hebron was founded seven years before the ancient city of Zoan. When they came to the valley of Eshgol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. That place is called the Valley of Eshgol, which means cluster because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites men cut there. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a beautiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. The people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The Israelite scouts reported about the bounty of the promised land. It was a good land. It was a great land. Can you imagine a cluster of grapes so big you have to carry it with two people hanging on a pole in between them? I mean, that's amazing. I love grapes. I can just imagine trying to eat a grape the size of a, a grapefruit. Man, that'd be awesome. 
But the land was also full of strong people who lived in fortified cities. And there were even giants living there in the land, they said. 10 out of 12 of the Hebrew scouts were too afraid to enter the promised land. Their fear was greater than their faith in God. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, knew that the Lord who brought them out of slavery in Egypt was more, cap- was more than capable of helping them conquer the land. They trusted God. They told the people, let's go, let's go. We can do it with God's help. But the other 10 scouts were afraid and they convinced the rest of the people to listen to their fear instead of trusting in God. Their lack of faith caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Their fear paralyzed them. And of all of that generation, none of them ever got to experience the bounty of the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb, the only two people who had more faith in God than fear of the people in the promised land. Our fear can paralyze us. And we can't move forward and experience the blessings and promise God has for us until we overcome our fears. What do you fear? What gives you nightmares or anxiety? The first step to conquering our fear is to identify exactly what we are afraid of. Once you can see the monster in the face, you can compare them to the greatness of God. Make a list of your fears. What did you, what do you fear? And when did you first start being afraid of it? Was it triggered by some traumatic event that you faced? Is there something now that brings that fear to the surface for you? And what does your fear stop you from accomplishing? What does God have? What promised land is the Lord wanting to give you, but you can't take possession of it because of your fear? Name your fear so you can start to face it. Our fears are always scarier when they're hiding in the dark. I'm not trying to tell you that some of the things we face may not necessarily be dangerous, something that we need to be careful with. But when your fear is in the shadow, our imaginations run wild and they blow our fears up bigger than they actually are, sometimes giving them supernatural proportions. Maybe there's a, a, a legitimate fear that you have of someone, a person, who, a stranger, someone who could harm you. But when they're in the shadows, when you don't really think about it, you think they are a monster. You think they're a vampire or a werewolf, a zombie. They may be dangerous, but they're not a supernatural being. But once you shine some light on your fear, whatever your fear is, you may see that it's not as scary as you once thought it was. 
Again, it may still be something that you need to be careful with. And it may still be scary and it may still be dangerous, but at least you can see it for what it really is and not something that's built up in your imagination. Now that you can see your fear, you have the ability to also compare it to God and his power. Is your fear bigger than God? We don't have to face our fears alone. God promises that he will be with us. And God doesn't want you to want your fear to keep you from his promises, but you have to trust him. The Hebrews were afraid to enter in the promised land because the inhabitants were strong. They were giants, they said, that lived in the land. Do you remember another story in the Bible about a young boy who had to face a giant? Of course we do, right? David and Goliath, one of the most famous stories that we learn in church. Even people who don't go to church maybe have heard of that story. David was just a young boy when the giant named Goliath challenged the Israelite army, spouting blasphemies against the God of Israel. David was so small, he couldn't even wear armor or swing a proper sword. He had to go into battle with just a sling and some stones. But David had something special. He trusted God. He knew that God was with him. He knew that, that yes, Goliath was a mighty warrior and a giant, but with God on his side, the giant was nothing. David knew that if God wished it to be, he could defeat Goliath. God can defeat all the giants and monsters in your life too. But you have to trust God. In Isaiah chapter 41, 10, God said, do not be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my strong, victorious right hand. Don't you know that if you trust in Christ, if he is your savior, if he is your Lord, if you are following him and about doing his work, then he is with you. And there is nothing that ultimately can defeat you. He is going to make sure because he is with you and you don't have to be discouraged. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to help you and he's going to uphold you with his strong right hand. Even if you die, that still cannot defeat you. Because through Christ, we have eternal life. So what do we have to fear? Well, that's easy for us to say sitting here. A nice, is it air conditioned or heated room at this moment? It's like in that in-between stage. But I want to give you some homework this week as we work our way through this series of conquering our fears, make a list of all your fears this week. What are you afraid of? 
When did you first notice that fear? Did it come to be at some trauma, because of some trauma in your life? And is there something that you, you face in your life right now that might bring that fear back to the surface? And what does your fear keep you from accomplishing? You know, there can be a lot of fears that you have in your life, but some fears really don't have a real effect on us. They don't stop us from doing things. They just, they're just kind of there as a, a quirk of our personality. But some fears, some fears really get in the way. They make you like those Israelites wandering around in the desert, round and round in circles, never going into the promised land. God has a promised land for you. But sometimes your fear keeps you from entering in. Today we have the privilege of celebrating the sacrament of Holy Communion. And as I think about that, I'm sure that the disciples with Jesus were afraid as they sat around that table with the Lord to share that last supper. They could sense the danger that was around them. They could, they could feel the atmosphere in the city of Jerusalem, the tension, the religious leaders that looked at Jesus with hate in their eyes. They could sense that Jesus was in danger and they could sense that they were in danger because they were his disciples. Maybe they were even afraid that they'd put their trust in the wrong person, that despite his many miracles, Jesus was not as powerful as the Romans or the leaders in Israel. Maybe they were afraid of the trials and the persecution and the pain and the death they faced because they had chosen to follow Jesus as Lord. Maybe they were afraid of what might happen to Jesus, someone that they loved deeply. And they were afraid that he was going to be hurt simply because he spoke the truth in a time when the truth was not appreciated or valued and when it was dangerous. Jesus knew about their fear and he knew the reality of the danger that they faced and the cup of suffering that he was going to have to drink. But Jesus also knew the power of God that wins the ultimate victory on the other side of the crucifixion. And so Jesus shared one last meal with his disciples before he was crucified. It was a meal that revealed the real suffering and death he was about to endure for our sake, but also a meal that gives his followers strength and helps us to remember what he has done for us. We share that meal again today. May it strengthen you and encourage you to face your fears, knowing that God is even more powerful than death. For those who trust in God through Jesus Christ are resurrected to eternal life, just as our Christ was.